Jesus having dinner. All right? And he's having dinner not with just anybody. He's having dinner with some Pharisees. Some Pharisees. And there's something unexpected takes place at this dinner. And so we're going to talk about this this morning. Luke chapter 7, verse 36 through 48. All right? So let's begin reading here with verse 36. It says, Then one of the Pharisees asked Jesus to eat with him. And he went to the Pharisee's house. This Pharisee, we know his name was Simon. And he sat down to eat. And behold, a woman in the city who was a sinner. When she knew that Jesus sat at the table in the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster flask of fragrant oil and stood at his feet behind him. Catch that. Behind him, weeping. And she began to wash his feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head. And she kissed his feet and anointed them with the fragrant oil. Now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he spoke to who? Himself, right? He didn't say it out loud. I want you to check that. He spoke to himself. And he said, this man, if he were a prophet, would know who and what manner of woman this is who was touching him, for she's a sinner. And Jesus, does that sound like anybody you know? I hope not. I hope not. And Jesus answered and said to him, Jesus knew what he was thinking. And Jesus answered and said to him, he said, Simon, I have something to say to you. And so he said, preach, preacher, right? That's what, teach, teach it, say it to me, right? There were a certain creditor who had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii, which is about a year and a half's worth of wage, and the other 50. And when they had nothing to which to repay, he freely forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him more? And Simon answered and said to him, uh, I suppose the one whom he forgave more. And Jesus said to him, you have rightly judged. Then he turned to the woman. Notice he turned to the woman, but he said to Simon, you, do you see this woman? I entered your house and you gave me no water for my feet, but she's washed my feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head. You gave me no kiss, but this woman has not ceased to kiss my feet since the time I came in. You did not anoint my head with oil, but this woman has anointed my feet with fragrant oil. And therefore I say to you, her sins which are many are forgiven, for she loved much. But to whom little is forgiven, the same loves little. I don't want to stop right there. I know there's two more verses. You can go ahead and read those because we'll be getting to those here in just a second. But here in Luke chapter 7, we see Jesus at a critical moment in the early stages of his public ministry. Uh, we, we know that Jesus was literally the answer to 400 years of silence between Malachi and Matthew. We know that he had this supernatural birth. We're celebrating it on December 25th. All of a sudden, angels show up in the middle of the night and perform this choir that is amazing. Sounds better than the Oak Ridge Boys, I hear. And you can read it. Read it in Luke chapter 2. Jesus is growing up. And as he's growing up, he's literally confounding the top rabbinical minds of his day. And he's 12 years old, and he's asking questions that they can't even answer. And so now, at 30 years old, Jesus begins his public ministry. He starts turning religion upside down. (laughs) I love it. He's walking around doing things that people had never seen. If you had a withered hand, he could stretch. Jesus would say, hey, stretch out that hand, and that hand would stretch out. 
He's interrupting funerals. A widow woman, he brings back her son, Lazarus. Hey, stop playing. Come out of there. Lazarus comes out. If you're deaf, Jesus said, can you hear me now? Yes, I can. Jesus is literally, whatever it is that is going on, Jesus is turning it upside down. And just as a side note, Jesus can still turn your life upside down today. He can still do what people say is impossible. Jesus specializes in the impossible. I said a couple of weeks ago, Jesus specializes in turning crucifixions into resurrections. That's who he is. That's who he is. So this Jesus shows up and he starts doing things that kind of make the cool kids want to hang out with him, right? The Pharisees were the cool kids. They were the ones who wore the skinny jeans and the muscle shirts. Come on, somebody. And they wanted to find out more about this Jesus. And so Simon invites him over for dinner, and Jesus is like, yeah, I'll come over there. But you, you, you just kind of get the feeling Jesus probably really didn't want to because this wasn't the type of dinner that Jesus is accustomed to. Jesus, uh, you know, he, he didn't hang out with the religious elite. He made time for the ones that the religious elite would judge. That's who he hung out with. In today's day and age, I find it very interesting that uh, uh, Jesus would not necessarily be celebrated in a lot of today's contemporary churches because of the crowd he chose to run with. Good preaching, thank you. Jesus was always hanging with the tax collectors, with the sinners, with the wine-bibbers, and they accused him of such. And I say, wait, may we as Elm Grove be accused of just the same. Come on, somebody. May we as a church be accused of the same. Listen, if everyone in your circle is saved, your circle is too small. I'll try the back. If everyone in your circle is saved, your circle is too small. It's time for us to take the influence of Jesus outside of our circle. Take it outside. The character of Jesus, the love of Jesus, the influence of Jesus. Take Jesus to the people who are lost and the people who are hurting and the people who are dying and the people who are wounded and the people who are frustrated and the people who are drunk. And the, Come on, somebody. There may be 66 books in the Bible, but actually there's 67 because the Bible calls you a living letter. You're a living letter. Some people may never read the Bible, but they'll read your life. And when they read your life, what are they reading? What are they reading? Jesus, he's invited by these Pharisees. They're the ruling class. They're the religious leaders. They clearly lord over the people. The people were intimidated by these Pharisees. And clearly the Pharisees would know and they would be familiar with the law and the prophets and they would know that Jesus lined up very well with so many of the prophetic declarations. They would know that he was in the lineage of David. They would know that that, that he was born of a virgin. They would know that he was born in Bethlehem. And all these things were lining up, but Jesus did not act like they thought the Messiah should act. In their estimation, he didn't portray the, the character and the power that the Messiah should betray. They thought the Messiah was coming to overthrow the Roman government and give the Jews back power because the Jewish people had been oppressed since the beginning. If you go all the way back to Moses, they'd been oppressed this whole time. And we need a Messiah. We, 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 we need a Messiah that's going to be a political figure is what they thought. And Jesus said, no, that's not me. My kingdom is not of this world. And I need everyone in here to know that Jesus is not a political pawn. 
And Jesus is not up for office or re-election because I talked to him this morning and no matter what anyone says, he's still on the throne. You can't vote him out because we didn't vote him in. His blood declared his title. His blood gave him power. His blood made him who he is. It had nothing to do with our vote. He is the savior, the king, the, 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 the prince of peace. He is the one who he says he is. He is the Messiah and he's bigger than all of our politics and all of our factions and all of our fractions and everything that we got going on in America right now. We don't need a change in government. We need a change in heart. And the only one who can do it is the king of kings, Jesus Christ. Yeah. He's it. Go vote. (laughs) The Pharisees, they realized that Jesus, I got to calm down breathing hard. What's up with this? I haven't even ate the turkey yet. (laughs) The Pharisees, they realized that Jesus was becoming increasingly more popular. And so they wanted to hang out with Jesus. They're like, Jesus, come on over. And Jesus like, oh, all right. Jesus like, I don't like these kind of dinners. If Jesus would have lived today, you know Jesus would have been on his phone searching through Facebook while he's at the dinner, right? That's what he'd have been doing. He's sitting at the table, and then all of a sudden, into this pretentious dinner, steps a desperate young lady. And nothing breaks up pretense like desperation. She immediately stands behind Jesus and she begins to weep. She feels shame. And one of the greatest weapons in the lives of believers today that the enemy uses is shame. He shames us into not approaching our Heavenly Father. He shames us into us thinking that we made too big of mistakes for the blood to overcome. He shames us into thinking it's the whisper of the enemy in your ear saying, look, look at you, you're, you're, you've been struggling with that thing for years and yet you still dare raise your hands and worship. Come on, somebody. Look at you, look, look, look the way your marriage is going. Look at the way you talk to your husband. Look at the way you talk to your wife. Look at the way you yelled at your kids this morning. I know they didn't get up on the first 100 tries, but, but you shouldn't have yelled at them like that. You're a Christian. You're a man of God, Right? I'm not talking about me. I'm talking about (laughs) y'all. And the enemy will try to shame you. Shame you. Look at the mistakes you made this week, and yet you're going to come in here and lift your hands and worship like you're all holy. Yes, I am holy. Why? Because the word of God declares it, because I've been set apart by the blood of Jesus. I am holy. I'm holy because he made me holy. Hmm. The enemy tries to lie, and all of it's a lie. Every single thing he says is a lie. I just want to challenge you, don't let the lie of shame keep you from pursuing this relationship with God. This woman, she, we'll get into it in a little bit, but she she, she had a past. Guess what? We all do too. She had a past, but yet she didn't let that past dictate the pursuit of her future. This young woman stepped into this religious dinner, a pretentious dinner. She walked into a place full of religion, but she bumped into relationship. See, that's the power of Jesus Christ. 
She walked in standing behind him. I want you to check this. She walked in standing behind him weeping, but within moments she was at his feet worshiping. That's a relationship with Christ. That's what he's about. We're not behind Jesus. He's called us to walk alongside of him, to walk with him, to help build this beautiful mosaic called the church. This is the tapestry of fractured lives who are being made whole by the same blood of Jesus. We don't worship from the same perspective. I haven't been through what you've been through and you haven't been through what I've been. I don't let anyone make fun of the way I worship. And I don't want to let you, don't let anyone make, uh, don't, don't take it to heart. Right. If you want to dance and you want to shout and you want to you grab your hanky and go, girl, grab your hanky and go. Right? right? Don't let anyone make fun of the way you were. Don't let, it, don't let that pull you down because they don't know what you've come out of. Right I think sometimes we need, a, we need a, a, a reminder of what we come. If we re- remember what we come out of, maybe it would make us worship. Come on, somebody. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I, I, I don't care if you can't carry a tune in a bucket. Right. You grab a barrel and you go to town. Worship, yes. worship. Hallelujah. We worship from different perspectives because you've been through this and I've been through this and, they, and you, you know Jesus as healer because you've walked through, through some things in your life where, where the healer showed up and I know him as provider because I walked through things in my life where I need a provision and this person, they, they know him as the prince of peace because there's been chaos in their life. So we're, we're coming from different directions and different distinctives and different perspectives but we're coming to the same Jesus. Hallelujah. We're coming to the same Jesus. And we have different testimonies and different testimonies of salvation, but it's the same Jesus. It's the same blood. And it's the same guy who gets all the glory. It's not about us. It's about him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Man, I wish I felt like preaching this morning. <laughs> We're going to take up another offering. I feel good. Of course, though, wherever there's worship, there's always going to be whispering. Wherever there's worship, there's always going to be whispering. And the Pharisees were whispering to themselves, looking at this woman. Oh, Jesus only knew who she was. He would never let that girl touch him. She's got cooties. Right? She's a dirty bird. She is nasty, right? Come on, somebody. Why is she even here? It's interesting that the Pharisees were thinking this. Now, remember, Simon never said it out loud, but he was—he said he was thinking it to himself. But what I love about Jesus is what he did. Jesus says, "Hey, Simon, <laughs> let's talk." And Simon's like, all right, remember, teach me. And Jesus begins to answer and attack the mindset of the judgmental class. Religion always judges. Relationship extends grace. Religion always accuses. Relationship literally says it's already covered. Come on in. See, it is something that I want you to grab. The Pharisees, they, they they thought they had this inside track to God. And they didn't even know that the Son of God was sitting in their midst. 
they, they're, they're judging this broken woman because that's what religious people do. They, they're good judges of other people's sin and great lawyers for their own. Oh, come on, somebody. Right, right, right. Woo! Yes. They're great judges of other people's sin and great lawyers of their own. And, 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 and so here we have this woman. Why is she in this room? She's washing his feet with her hair. This, you know, you may think this is weird, but I can't tell you how many times I've been to people's house and they're like, hey, sit down, I'm going to wash your feet with my hair. It happens all the time. Right. Y'all ever had a dinner like that? Yeah. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> she's under the table. She's washing. And you can just see, you know, she, she's washing Jesus' feet with her hair. The, everyone's around like, oh, this happens in the suburbs all the time. Don't worry about it. No, it actually doesn't. I also want you to catch this. No one lets a stranger in their house. No one lets somebody that they don't know walk into their house. Thursday, I'm going to be over at my in-laws. And I'm going to be feasting from sunup to sundown. It's a holy day. (laughs) And I'm going to watch some football. And I'm going to eat. And I'm going to watch some more football, and I'm going to eat. Yeah. And I'm going to watch some more football, and I'm going to eat. Right. And I'm going to eat some more while I'm watching more football. <laughs> it's one of my favorite days of the year. Right. <laughs> Every day should be Thanksgiving. But I promise you this, as me and my family sit down to eat with my brother-in-law and sister-in-law and, and, and all their family and my mother and father-in-law and then all of my family, as we sit down to eat and someone walks in the house and pulls up a chair to the table and be like, get out of here, that's my pumpkin pie. What are you doing? No one lets a stranger in their house. No one lets a stranger inside, but no, Simon didn't say anything. The Bible calls her a sinner, which is a nice way of saying that she was a prostitute. The first century prostitute would walk into a religious leader's house and have the boldness to walk in there without being invited, unless, of course, maybe she's been there before. Oh, we're talking about the real housewives of Jerusalem. Come on, somebody. Think about it. Maybe that's why he didn't say what he was thinking because maybe it would have exposed a previous indiscretion. Isn't it interesting and strange how religion works? It vilifies the broken while masking our own sin. And I love how Jesus dealt with this situation. The Bible says he he turned to the woman, but he said to Simon, Jesus will always turn toward the broken but correct the religious. The point I'm trying to make is the church is not going to grow from all the spiritual elites. We are going to grow because we're going to go get people who are in the midst of very broken backgrounds, people who are hurting, who are lost, who are lonely with testimonies that maybe you and I can't even identify with. But they're going to walk through our church doors and they're going to worship the same Jesus that saved us and them together. This is the power of Jesus. The church doesn't belong to the religious elite. It belongs to the broken who are in need of a savior. It belongs to those who are in need of the blood of Jesus. Is there anyone here who still says, I still need the blood? I still need the blood. 
the power of Jesus is that he didn't judge the woman. Here, this woman, the Bible says she wiped his feet with her hair. The Bible says that the glory of a woman is her hair. The glory of a woman is her hair. And I believe that this young woman was saying, there's only one here today who's worthy of glory, and it's not me. So I'm taking my glory, and I'm laying my glory at his feet because he's the only one worthy of glory in this house. He's it. This is the power of a miracle moment. Because here's what religion says. Religion says that you've got to tell everybody you've done wrong. You ever been around people? Just tell me what you're struggling with so I can pray for you. No, they're nosy. I'm preaching a lot better than you're shouting. There are some people who really care. I'm not... But I'm going to say I've, been, I've come across nosy people too. Pastor, what's, what, what's your struggle? <laughs> well, I just put it on Facebook and everybody can read it. I know it's going to end there anyways. Oh, come on. Sometimes our brokenness makes other people feel better about themselves. That's religion. That's religion relationship it says it doesn't matter what you've done you come in here there's a place for you here that's relationship you're covered here you confess with your mouth believe in your heart he is lord you shall be saved that's the gift of salvation and the woman walks in and nobody says anything to her and she says nothing at all herself all she does is weep and worship but notice what happens at the end of this exchange Jesus said this woman whose sins were many had been forgiven. And if you go further in that chapter, those next two verses, Jesus tells her, your faith has saved you, go in peace. This is the power of real relationship. She didn't say one word. No words needed. She didn't say one word. Religious circles, they always want us to rehearse all of our failed areas, all of our broken places. But Jesus said, I already know, and if you'll just come to me with a sincere heart, I can take care of it. I can take care of it. I'll heal you. I'll redeem you. I'll restore you. I'll put you back together. This young woman's worship did what her words never could. When words fail, you worship. When words fail, you worship. When words fail, you worship. Worship when worry finds you. Worship when doubt surrounds you. Worship when the world fights you. Worship. In this moment, this woman's worship did for her what her words couldn't. She couldn't even get it out. Have you ever been so broken that you couldn't even get it out? You couldn't even express what's going on in your heart. That's what this lady is going through. And today as I close, I'm closing right now. I'm going to do one close today. I've been working on it cutting my closings in two-thirds. <laughs> but as I close, a lot of us face shame from our past. And that shame keeps us behind Jesus weeping. And this morning, Jesus is saying, today is a day of change. You've been behind me weeping too long. You get in front of me and let's worship. Let's worship. Let's raise our hands. Let's lift our voice. Let's worship. Get out from that shame. Get out from that hurt. Get out from that guilt. Get out from that past. Get in front and let's worship. Worship. When words fail you, worship. When you can't express what's worship. 
when the hurt is so great, worship. When frustration sets in so, worship. When fear overwhelms, worship. When doubt overtakes, come on, worship. Worship. Get in front of me and worship. I don't care what all these people are saying. I don't care what all these people are doing. They brought me over for dinner and that's fine. But the real reason I'm here, ma'am, is for you. The real reason I accepted this invitation tonight was not for Simon, it was for you. I knew you would show up. This is your night of turnaround. Come on, let's worship together. Woo! Let's worship. This morning, I'm gonna challenge you. Get out from the shame. Get out from the past. Get out from what's behind. Get out from behind Jesus. He didn't call you to get behind him. In fact, he said, Satan, get behind me. That's who he called behind him. He's called us to the front. Come on. Let's worship. Let's worship. Come on, somebody. You receive that? Say amen. Say, I'm going to put, Jenny, would you go ahead and come, the worship team, would you guys go ahead and come? I know I didn't tell y'all. I'll pay for it later. That's okay. I want to go, good, good father. I want to go back to that song. And maybe this morning, maybe there's some, some questions in your life. Maybe there's some struggles in your life. I, I, I just want to take this time and I want to lift up the good, good father one more time. I want to lift up the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords one more time. And I want you to worship. I want you to worship. I know we go through trials and we go through struggles and we go through things we don't understand. I know we go through heartache and heartbreak and I know we go through turmoil. I know we go through that. But yes, through it all, he's still a good, good father. We've had frustrating moments and we've had trying circumstances and we've had things that we, we just sit back and we say, God, why? And we may never get the answer why, but I know the who. And I go to him and I say, God, I don't get it, but I get you. I get you. I get who you are. And so I'm going to worship. So this morning, come on, let's turn those lights down. I'm going to ask you to stand if you can. And in this time when we begin to sing, I want this to be Symbolic, you're getting out from behind Jesus. You're getting out from behind with all the shame and all the guilt and all the frustration. And you're getting to the feet of Jesus. And you're going to worship him. And at his feet, man, crazy things happen. So I want you to do that with us this morning. Come on, let's go ahead and go into that song today. Praise your name. I've heard a thousand stories of what they think you're like, but I've heard the tender whisper of love in the dead of night, and you tell me that you're pleased and that I'm never alone. Your good, good father, it's who you are, it's who you are, it's who you are, and I'm loved by you, it's who I am, it's who I am, it's who I am. 
searching for answers far and wide but I know we're all searching for answers only you provide cause you know just what we need before we say a word you're good good father it's who you are it's who you are it's who you are and i'm loved by you it's who i am it's who i am it's who i am because you are perfect in all of your ways you are perfect in all of your ways you are perfect in all of your ways to us you are perfect in all of your ways every eye closed this morning you're here today come on we want a chance to pray with you you're here this morning you're like pastor there's been shame in my game man the enemy has held me back he's the enemy has lied to me the enemy has whispered that in my ear and this morning I, I want free I want to make that move from from behind Jesus 
I want to get in front and I want to worship. I want to worship. I don't care about those who are sitting around me. I don't care whose house it is. I'm desperate this morning. I'm desperate this morning. If that's you, would you slip your hand up right now, whatever it might be. Yes, thank you. Yes, thank you. Yes, thank you. Hallelujah. Yes, thank you, ma'am. Thank you, ma'am. Hallelujah. Praise your name. Praise your name. Praise your name. Hallelujah. Father, I thank you today. God, thank you for those who responded. God, thank you for those who raised their hand. They said, God, I, I need your help today. I'm tired of living behind. I'm tired of living in my shame. I'm tired of living in this guilt. I'm tired of living in this past. God, you know everything about me. You know all, all my weaknesses and all my faults and all my failures, but you also know my strengths. You also know what I got going right right now. And Father, I pray this morning, God, that those who raise their hand, God, that you would speak to them, that you would minister to them, God, that you would love them to oh, love on them this morning, God, that you would embrace them, that you would help them to understand they're not defined by their past. They've been defined by the blood of Jesus, and the blood of Jesus says they're worthy. The blood of Jesus says they're holy. The blood of Jesus says they're set apart. The, the blood of Jesus declares that they are a royal priesthood, that they're a holy nation. God, that they've been set apart for your good work and for your glory. And so, Father, this morning I pray your hand would extend their way. Father, in their heart, God, where the enemy has lied and the enemy has whispered and the enemy has deceived, we recognize that lie and we recognize that deception this morning and we break it off of them in the name of Jesus. And we proclaim freedom in their life. God, let your will be done today in their life. And God, let them walk out of here with knowing truth. The truth has set them free. And God, I thank you. I think we're not bound by our past. God, we, we have been set up by the blood of Jesus for a glorious future. And God, I pray your hand of blessing upon each and every one this morning. God, go with us and lead us and guide us and direct us today. God, I pray that your touch would extend to every family, every individual here this morning. And God, as we celebrate this week, as we celebrate Thanksgiving, God, we have so much to be thankful for. And God, I pray we don't take a thing for granted. But God, we give you glory and honor and praise as we rejoice in our salvation of who you are. And God, I praise you today. And I thank you today. And we honor you this morning. Thank you. Thank you when no one else invited us to the dinner table. God, your hands are wide open all the time. And Father, I ask your blessing today in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody shout it. Amen. Amen.